You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning again for the second time this morning for me. How are y'all doing today? Good, 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 good. Anybody happy to be here this morning? A lot of new faces. If you're, I said we have some people that have been here for a long time and the new faces. Any new faces in here? I think a lot of the new people are still out in the bathroom. Yeah, new face, welcome. We love you, Jake. Never met you before. Love you. Hey, well, I want to, um, I feel like every time I preach, and I told Chris and Terry I wouldn't do this, but then I lied. Uh, I feel like every time that I preach, I preach on worship and prayer, which imagine a worship pastor preaching on worship. <laughs> Shocker. Um, I, but I do, I, I feel like because we are in kind of a new season corporately, um, how many have, have felt kind of a shift in not just worship, but all, just the, the culture of this church in general? If you've noticed, noticed something happening just in the, in the paradigm of not just what we do when we show up, but how we think when we arrive and when we leave too. Church isn't just how we think when we show up, it's what we do with that when we leave, right? That's a big part of my life and testimony of church is that for most of my life growing up, church was about what I did when I came in this room. What I learned later as a teenager and growing up was the most impactful thing that I can really begin to believe about myself is the most authority I have is not in these four walls. It's what happens with me when I walk out, right? And that means that my identity as a worshiper is no longer limited, limited to this house. That means that wherever I set foot, I am also a worshiper there right? I've talked about intercession. Who's enjoyed this talk on intercession that we've done the past few months? The, the, the fact that the intercession gifting anointing is not limited to some 70-year-old ladies in the back room where nobody can see them. Every single can hear my voice in this room, and if you've never heard this message before, I want you to hear it today. Every single person, if you're sitting in a seat and you can hear my voice, you are an intercessor. That means that when you pray, not just hardcore pray and intercede for 60 years for something. I mean, when you pray anything that's the heart of God, that means that Jesus hears it and is interceding on your behalf on that prayer. Does that make sense? Not only that, last time I preached, I talked about, talked about this. But whatever you pray that is the heart of God, that prayer did not begin in you. Every prayer that is the heart of God begins in God, and he gives to us to pray so that we can come into agreement with him. And so now we have our identity as not just worshipers, that wherever we worship, he shows up. But now we have this dual identity as worshipers and intercessors that now whatever I pray, that's the heart of God. He has already prayed it, given it to us to come into agreement with him in. So now it's not my prayer that I'm trying to convince him of. It's his prayer that he's trying to get me to come into agreement with. Which is the same gifting and anointing that David had. Do you understand this? It's the kingly anointing, right, and the priestly one. This was the type and shadow that God gives David, this model that Jesus would come to fulfill so that you and I could all be a part of it and participate in this, is that I'm not just royalty. I don't just sit in a place of authority, but I'm also now a priest so that I'm able to minister to God, and when I minister to him, he pours out his spirit in return. We feeling this this morning? And so this has been the culmination. If you've noticed the shift in this house, it's because this revelation has permeated not just the listeners in here, but also the staff, the volunteers, the worship team, 
the visitors, the people that have come back that haven't been here in a long time, this is becoming a part of not just what we do, but who we are. Because if it's only what we do and we don't let it become who we are, then it's pointless. Okay? So here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to kind of give a bit of a refresher this morning, and I want to talk about prayer specifically. Hopefully next time I preach, I want to talk about worship. But I, I want us to get caught up on this paradigm of not just being kings and, and, and having authority in the earth, but also being priests, because the priestly anointing, I think, is the one that, in our culture, the one that we forget the most. We're royalty, we have authority, and we have dominion in the earth. Thank you, Jesus, for that. When, when he got up out the grave, he gave, gave us the keys to it all and said, here you go, I'm sending you a helper. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in this room and you believe in Jesus and he is inside of you, that means that you have authority over death, hell, and the grave in the same way that he does. That's what I like to hear. Come on, somebody. But in that, yes, we have authority. I don't know. Do I? There it is. I have a low battery notification. That's not good. Well, we just take. Check one, two. Oh, look at that magic. Thank you, Jesus. We'll figure this out in a minute. You got me? Oh, what a fun technical Sunday we're having. That's good enough. That's perfect. I'm not going anywhere. If I'm going anywhere, we have a problem. If y'all see me running, you better run too. (laughs) And so with this, kingly anointing, we have to understand that without the priestly one, that we're not operating in the, in the fullness of the new covenant, the fullness of not just a covenant, but the gift that the cross was to us, right? Because the cross set us free from sin, but it also empowers us to something. You understand that? That the cross was not just freedom from sin, it was to give us life and life more abundantly. It was the, the fulfillment of Jesus, right? The, the life of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus is that he is the fulfillment of David. He fulfills David. He fulfills Moses. He fulfills Adam. Every prophet, every archetype, every model, every person in the, in the Bible, in the story of Jesus is leading up to him, not just so that he can be the most awesome one, and he is. He's the most beautiful thing in heaven, the crown jewel of heaven. I talked about this last month when I preached. He is awesome. But in him being awesome, the cross, death, and resurrection fulfills this in us. So now everything that he is, we now get to be invited into that as a byproduct. Do we understand that every covenant with man that has ever happened before the one that we are in now is an inferior covenant. We talk about covenants all the time here, and I love that for this house because this is a big revelation for us. But it's not a God-made covenant. Every one of these Old Testament covenants are, here's what we give you, God. Will you fulfill this? And in his mercy and in his goodness, he fulfills it with us because he wants relationship that badly. Jesus invites us into a covenant made between Jesus and God between father and son. 
and now that I am in Christ, say, I'm in Christ. Because of the cross, now that I'm in Christ, I'm invited into that covenant with him. And so we get to be these kings on the earth, these, these little sea Christs that walk around with authority, and that's great, so that whatever principalities or powers of the air that we encounter, we get to take authority over and dominion over. Amen? But also, if we ignore the priestly thing, which is to uh, think about Revelation 4, which I want to talk about later, that we are seated in heavenly places with him, right? There's an encounter that John has in Revelation 4 where Jesus swoops him up and sits him in that throne with him. Uh, What does it say? Uh, So that he could see what happens next, that the priestly anointing is not just to be seated on a throne, but it's to have insight, wisdom, and revelation as to what he's doing in the earth so that we can participate in that. Do you understand that? You are a participant in what Jesus is doing in the earth right now. We got power. Oh, praise God. Thanks for the hug. I'm going to say that one more time because this this is the, the point of this message today. Because of the position that you have in Christ Jesus through the cross, death, burial, and resurrection, you are not a spectator in the kingdom being released on the earth. You are a participant. As a matter of fact, he can do it without us, but he does not do it without us. Any brokenness, any systems that are inferior or flawed in the earth, we are called to step into to be salt and light and leaven to create solutions and bring the kingdom of God with us. Amen? And so we do that with this beautiful tool. I hate even using the word tool. It makes me cringe a little bit. But this beautiful tool that we have that's called prayer. Very boring, I know. <sighs> prayer. Are we, are we dead? Does that, does that word make us boring? Does there, there's some weird connotations to that. I want to break this down this morning because I want us to understand that this authority that we have does not come without intimacy. Intimacy comes through prayer. Okay. So I want to break some stuff down this morning. This is okay? We doing all right? Cool. I know we're a little pressed for time. I want to, I want to get through some things so that you have some notes. If you're a note taker, you better get ready because I'm going to start reading. Uh, I don't know if we have scriptures for the screen, so if you want to take notes, be my guest. We're going to tackle some stuff, okay? Awesome. Um, let's go here. There is a big difference between adding prayer to your agenda and prayer setting your agenda. One more time, there is a difference between making prayer a part of your agenda, your life. I'm going to make two hours a day dedicated to prayer. That's very generous for a lot of people. How many people pray for at least an hour a day? Ooh. How many people pray for 30 minutes a day? My God. All day long, in, in total, in total. There's my all day people. That's where I'm going right there. Pray without ceasing. Oh, man. There, and I think for this body is, is my point this morning. I, I want us to be people that don't incorporate prayer into what we do, but prayer decides where we go. And if I don't get to anything else this morning, I, I want us to really understand this together today that when we, when we do pre-service prayer, when we meet at 9.30 in here in the mornings and, and pray over the service and pray over what 
God is doing in the house, that we're not adding another thing to our schedule. We're, we're busy enough. We have things happening from 6 a.m., 7 a.m. on Sundays until we leave here at 2, 2.30 sometimes. All through the week, I know that we don't have midweek church, but there are activities and ministries and platforms. And we're, for, a, for a church our size, we're, we're particularly busy. We have a lot going on. And so the last thing that we need is to add more activity, right? Are we in agreement? <laughs> we're, life is busy enough. The, the point of prayer in what we do is to contextualize what we do so that we understand that, oh, I'm not here just to meet and, and by all means hear me. People showing up, we, the, the motto of this church is to, to be seen, heard, and known so that when people walk through these doors that they feel uh, known in a particular way that, that some churches, most churches in, in America, especially this area, don't really have the ability to provide, right? How many have been to a church of 20,000 people or even 5,000 people, larger churches in this area, there's hundreds and thousands of them here, where you walk in and you never get to meet anybody and no one ever knows your name or anything about you. And so people are important. Without any of you in the room, there is nothing. There is the presence of God and that's, that is enough. Hear me out. Jesus is the most important thing in this room right now. And agreed, right? We all agree that that's good enough. But his value is not just him and him alone. If his value was only for him to be present, then he never would have made us. And so there's this meeting place of ministering to God corporately and also him ministering to us corporately. There is an exchange, right? I know I talked about last time that litergeo. Did anyone remember that message, the litergeo message? That word litergeo in the Greek actually means to minister to God's heart directly, right? We see it a couple hundred times in the Old Testament, only two in the New Testament. And so there is an emphasis on this word isn't used lightly anymore, that when we minister, that it's not for God, it's to God now. We have access to that through that kingly priestly anointing that Jesus gives us access to, right? So the difference between doing prayer right? This is the old covenant. We were doing prayer as an activity, as a requirement. Now prayer decides what we do, where we go, what we say. Why? Because remember, every prayer that we have been given by God to pray originates in his heart. And if we're going to be a people of prayer and build a culture of prayer, then this is what decides what we do. If we let prayer become a part of what we do, this is going to fail. But if prayer decides where we go and what we do, why? I only see what the Father is doing. I only hear what he's saying. I only say what he's saying, right? And that's what prayer allows us to do, to only do what I see my Father doing, to only say what I hear my Father saying. What is Jesus saying in that? Every prayer that I'm praying on this earth began in the Father. And so now because Jesus is our prime intercessor, the, the head intercessor of all intercessors, and that's me and you, we get to intercede. Whether it's praying for the sick, which I love to do, whether it's words of knowledge and words of wisdom, which are all fantastic, we do that every time we gather here. But if we're going to do anything successfully, long-term, that's going to affect not just the people in this house, but will affect not just nations, but generations. 
my children and their children and their children. Because if, if not, then why do we show up here? If we're going to affect them and their kids, then we have to not do prayer but become it. Amen? I'm running out of time. Okay, let's do this. I want you to turn to, oh, so many things. Let's turn to Revelation 4. I know I talked about it a little bit, but I want to read it through. And I, and I want us to um, dive into this a little bit. All right, Revelation 4, if you're there, say, I'm there. All right, let's read. We're going to read, read this. We're going to take some time, um, but reading Scripture is good. Amen? All right, let's read it together. Here we go. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Remember, for context, this is John's revelation in exile where the Lord is inviting him up to a trip to heaven. To, to begin to see the inner workings of what's happening in heaven right now, okay? So just keep this in mind that a crazy man on an island is having a vision. <laughs> so as we read this, just keep, keep that in mind here. Uh, it's come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne there were 24 elders, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, lightning and rumblings and pearls of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Jake just preached on this a couple of weeks ago, which was a fantastic message, and if you did not hear it, you need to go listen to it because it will blow your mind. Uh, torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God, and before the throne there was as if it were a sea of glass like crystal. Pause. How crazy is this? Have you ever seen anything like this in reality? Absolutely not. Just We're, we're going to talk about this for a minute, okay? And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. In front and behind. We're going to talk about this too. The first living creature like a lion, the second creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. Say within. And day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to, is to come. Anyone know that from just growing up in church? How many times have we heard that just in every song that you can imagine? All right, let's continue. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Selah. The, this is my favorite passage of scripture because it gives a model of not how 
He wants earth to function. Remember, everything that, that Jesus modeled with the disciples on earth and with the people that he taught was from heaven directionally to here, right? David got a glimpse of this in, in an inferior covenant with God, but through hunger, God decided to allow that model to come here through worship and prayer and intercession, right? That's David's tabernacle. We've talked about that a little bit. But God begins to reveal to John this weird image of the craziness of the throne room of God. But what I want to focus on this morning are the four living creatures who have eyes all over their body. But remember the distinction. They're not just covered in eyes front to back. They have eyes within. I would like to suggest that the goal of the throne room of heaven is to see God. Everything, any art people in the room, any people that love design, any designers, any graphic designers, whenever you hear someone teach on design, that always comes with function. The design, whether it's an animal, whether it's an object or a machine, imagine seeing a tractor and going, well, I don't know what that does. Well, it's a tractor. It's designed to harvest, right? And so God designs things very specifically. And so when he puts eyeballs all over an angel, what do you think their function is? To see. It's funny that you didn't say to worship. Because they are worshiping nonstop. They're saying what? Holy, 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 holy. And they never stop. Why? Because they were commanded to? Never in scripture does it say that anyone around the throne was commanded to worship him. I would like to suggest this morning that our primary objective, not just as kings, but as priests, is to see him and to see him rightly. My favorite part of Revelation 4 right now is that they are not covered in eyes on the outside only, but they have eyes within. I would like to suggest to you this morning that you also have eyes within. Why is that important? Because there is a very important person on the inside of every single one of you in this room. Well, uh, Pastor, I'm having a really hard time seeing Jesus right now. Close your eyes and picture him. He has given you the ability, like the angels around the throne, to begin to look within and see with eyes within. What am I talking about? When he ascended, before he left, he sent us what? Who? Just as a quick activation, but I'm not going to rush on, but if, if you have had or are having issues hearing, seeing, picturing Jesus, hearing the voice of God. Can you just lift your hand just as an act of faith? Anybody in there, just a few. Why don't you do this? If you, if you see a hand, why don't you just um, extend your hand to the people? Raise your hands again if that's you. No, no shame in this. This happens to everyone, included my, including myself. Just extend your hand towards these people. I want to do a, a small activation right now, just a, just a, a prayer of faith. Uh, and, and why don't you, if you didn't raise your hand, begin to pray with me. Lord, right now, I thank you that you've not just given us physical eyes, but you have given us spiritual eyes within. So I pray that for every believer who has a closed gate right now, I pray that you would open it up right now in Jesus' name. I thank you that we are designed not just to worship you, but to see you. 
And so I declare right now the original intent for every believer in here, which is to see, know, and love you. So I pray right now for the eyes of every believer that lifted their hand to open up right now in Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to pray right now for, uh, for encounters with the Lord. Jesus, I pray that as each one of them sleep tonight, that you, the man in white, would walk up in those dreams. Father, I pray right now, Jesus, reveal your face. Show your face. Jesus, your face is the most beautiful thing in heaven or earth or anything, anywhere. And so I pray right now that you would reveal your face to us. Show us. Like Moses, show us your glory. Tear open the veil for them right now, Jesus. Show us, show us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so the angels around the throne give us not just an idea of what's supposed to happen in heaven, but an idea here. They actually release to us a duty and a responsibility that if we are called to be people that release heaven through worship and prayer wherever we go outside of these doors, then that means that we are we, we are obligated as believers. If we have said yes to Jesus, if we say yes to, and we invite him into our life to be the Lord of our life, right? One of the most common phrases in, in, in church world. If he is going to be Lord of my life, then that means that my responsibility to, is to see him. It's not just to serve him, that's important. Serving is, is a huge part of being in God's kingdom. It's not just to worship him. He loves that, but he doesn't need that. Prayer is important. That's a connection. That's not a job. That is not a duty. That is the, the byproduct of the cross, that we get to speak to him and he listens and then we can hear what he says. That is the most beautiful thing ever. But our primary job, if we're going to become people of prayer, if we're going to be a church body, a family that says we are a people that will pray and seek God's face. If we're going to be culture creators and culture changers, how many believe that you're, you're yes. called to create culture and change culture? Yes. That means that you have to do that by prayer. That does not happen just by showing up. That means that you have to spend long hours sometimes, not always, but sometimes in the secret place. That takes intentionality. This means that my job is no longer to do something, but to see someone. I'm not even preaching my notes anymore. I don't even know that I need this. It says that the, the four living creatures, those angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. And when they do that, the 24 elders around the throne stand up and they throw their crowns down. And the song that they sing is worthy is the lamb. Holy is a statement of his character. Worthy is a statement of value. That means that it has to cost something. 
what does it cost me? Everything. Everything. And so as we see him, as we worship, as we eat at Moe's together, <laughs> as we go to Walmart, as we go back home and go to work tomorrow, my responsibility is, yes, to show up and be salt, light, and leaven to the world around me. That is 100% the responsibility and, and the, the thing that we've been afforded as believers that we get to be the agents of change through the Holy Spirit, through, through Christ in me, that now everywhere I go, something has to change. But it can only be brought about by prayer. And that's what I want us to understand today, that as we leave, yes, where we walk, he comes with us. But until we pray it, he will not bless it. He can do all this stuff on his own without me. He's powerful enough. He spoke a single word and everything came into existence. As a matter of fact, that song is still being sung. Universe, that, that word universe, one song is what that means. Everything that exists is, is one song that he sang over us. When he spoke, it was not just a word, it was a song. And whenever we pray, we get to come into agreement with that one song that was spoken before time and matter and anything existed. We do not strive when we pray, we only agree. And so when we leave these doors today, when we go home and go to eat, when we storm Mo's with every single person in this room, I want you to remember that wherever I go, I'm called to pray. I am an intercessor. You are an intercessor. Say, I am an intercessor. Only because of Jesus. Not by any gifting or anointing or not by any office that I sit in spiritually or anything fancy. No, 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 none of that. All of that is inferior to the position that I am in, Christ Jesus. And it is only because Jesus is worthy. It is only because of his holiness that we get to pray and ask, and he does. So I want us to do something this morning. Won't we stand up together? Was this okay? Was this heavy? Good. This good? Here's what I'm gonna do for us this morning. I want us to pray together. I want you to put a hand on the person next to you. I want us to let the body be the body this morning. I want us to do some body ministry. I want us to activate one another. I'm going to pray over us, but I want you to pray together with me, okay? I want us to pray together for this revelation, this kingly priestly thing that he has placed in us through Jesus. I want us to begin to step into that this morning so that when we leave here, we are now responsible for the world around us, that when things happen, they are on our watch. And as they happen, we are called to pray and see God move in it. And until he does, we do not stop. Amen? So here we go. I want us to pray for just a few minutes, two or three minutes. And I want you to pray fire over the person next to you. Pray for a fresh baptism. Come on, let's begin to pray right now. Father, I thank you that we are in Christ Jesus only by the Son, only by the cross, 
the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We thank you right now for the greatest gift that you could ever give us, and that is the Son, the beautiful man, Jesus. God, I pray right now, I know we already prayed this one time for a few, but I pray for every believer in this room under the sound of my voice that their eyes and their ears would be opened up to not only hear you, but to see your face. Like Moses walking away from your face glowing, I pray that every person in here, whether it be a physical glow <laughs> or a spiritual glow, that when they see your face, God, whether it's later today, whether it's in dreams tonight, or whether you show up in person, I pray that they walk away completely changed. Not in a feel-good way, but they walk away so changed that there's a physical difference. God, I pray for the, 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 the secret place for every believer in this room that when they go away to pray like Jesus did always, that you would mark them with an encounter. Come on, begin to pray right now. Begin to pray with hunger. Stir up your hunger this morning in this house. Lord, do a new thing in the secret place with us. Lord, I can hear you calling right now. Come away with me. Come away, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Just a couple more minutes. Let's begin to pray. Jesus, I thank you for the authority that you have given us to not just be set free from sin, but to have authority over death, hell, and the grave. I pray that you would give us ears to hear and understanding and wisdom to know how to pray and what to pray. God, I pray that you would begin to seed the secret place of everyone in here with, with dreams, with wisdom, with revelation, seedbeds that can only be watered by ministering to you in secret and private. So I pray for a fresh hunger for every believer in this room to not just be moved in the secret place by God, but to move him. Light or gay, oh God, I pray for that revelation again. Pray that it would sweep every mind and heart in this room to not just know God, but to love him rightly, to move his heart. God, we thank you that you always love to minister to us, but Lord, let it never be the first thing that we do. Let your heart be the priority. Thank you that you never leave us dry. You never leave us empty. You never leave us wanting. That ministering to you does not mean sacrificing our blessing. <laughs> God, I thank you that every encounter with you is an exchange. It is not a one-way street. Remind us of that in secret, God. God, I pray for a fresh anointing and a fresh fire that when we walk in public, wherever we go, at work or at home, that we bring the fire, that we hear the voice of God, that we have the wisdom and understanding to know what to pray and when to pray. Teach us how to pray. And Lord, like the disciples often ask Jesus, teacher, teach us how to pray. We need it. We need your understanding. Help us, help us. 
Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website.